0: Hi there, this is John from the FreeGiftFromGod.com podcast. I'm continuing to read the insights I've found while seeking to understand what the scriptures say the true church of God should look like. All of this information comes from my free ebook titled The True Church of God, and it can be downloaded freely at the FreeGiftFromGod.com website. Today I'm looking at the six foundations of Christianity in this chapter, which will be covered over the next few weeks as there's too much to put into a single podcast. This is part two. So let me continue reading, and I hope you find something of value in the insights the Lord has given to me. Baptism is the third of the six foundations. Generally speaking, most churches do a decent job regarding the need for repentance and faith, albeit there are some deviations from the simplicity of what the gospel says. But when it comes to baptism, there are a great many variations and deviations from one church group to another. What is done and what is believed about baptism in water is so varied and so diverse, it is staggering. And I'm quite sure I don't know all of the variations. And yet baptism is one of the most important parts of the gospel to get right. It is perhaps for this reason that the devil has tried to destroy the meaning and understanding of what baptism is really all about. Some churches do not even believe baptism is required at all. Others baptise infants, but not adults. Some use baptism as a form of initiation into their particular church. Some only baptise people when they have been Christians for many, many years because they do not believe anyone is worthy until then. Some churches baptise people many, many times. Others baptise people as proxies for other people who have already died. Some churches believe baptism requires only a sprinkle of water on the head. And I'm sure there are many other beliefs and teachings surrounding the process of baptism. The things mentioned above are false teachings that have no basis in Scripture and should be utterly rejected. Baptism is too important to get wrong. So before going to what it is and how it works, we should understand how important it is. First, let's consider the words of Jesus Christ himself regarding baptism. When he went to John the Baptist to be baptised, John would have prevented him because Jesus had not sinned and had nothing from which to repent. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. Look at the words of Jesus. He did not need to be baptized, but he did it anyway. Why? There were two reasons why. He was baptized so that no one could use him as an example for why they should not be baptized. He was showing us in his own example that it is necessary. And two, more importantly, we see in his words that being baptized was necessary to fulfill all the requirements of righteousness. You cannot be righteous by faith without going through the waters of baptism. These are compelling reasons to ensure you understand correctly what the process and meaning of baptism is all about. But there is still more, for we see that Jesus also made baptism one of the key things the disciples were to do under the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. When we realize that these were some of the last words Jesus said to his disciples before he was taken up into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father, they take on a new significance. You would expect that if these were his last words on earth, there would not be some throwaway lines like, well, see you later and have a nice day. No, the last words of Christ were significant and were meant to impress upon the disciples what was important. In the Great Commission, Jesus gave his disciples three basic instructions. One, go into the world and make disciples. Two, then baptize the new disciples. Three, then teach the new disciples all the words of Jesus. The second of these instructions was to baptize the new disciples, all of them. Similarly, when Peter addressed the crowds after Pentecost, he told the people to repent and be baptized every one of you. And that's Acts chapter 2, verse 38. All of the people were to be baptized. It is important that all Christians must be baptized so what is baptism anyway baptism is a symbolic death where we go down into the waters of baptism to be buried with christ then as we are raised up out of the water we are resurrected with christ but this is more than just symbolism and that is where faith comes into play Through baptism, we take the death of Christ as if it were our own death, and through faith, we believe that we have died. When we believe this, that is how God looks upon us. He sees us as having died and passed from death to life by taking on the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. This is important because when we die, the debt of sin is paid in full, and the law does not pass through death. So our sin is gone and we are set free from the law because we have died with Christ. Am I just making this up? Or is this what the scriptures say? Well, check these scriptures. First, regarding the death we die with Christ uh, being a death to sin. Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then we see in Romans 6 verses 1 to 4. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Romans 6, verses 1 to 4. We have been baptised into the death of Christ. The scripture tells us that we have died to sin, and we now walk in newness of life as new creations in Jesus Christ. And as for being freed from the law through death, we see these words. Do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only during his life? Romans chapter 7, verse 1. And also, Likewise, my brethren, you have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. While we were living in the flesh... Our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are discharged from the law, dead to that which held us captive, so that we serve not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. Romans 7 verses 4 to 6. Through taking on the death of Christ as our own by faith, we are set free from the law because we have died to the law. The law is only binding on a person while they are alive, but when they die, they are from the law and dead to that which holds all mankind captive. When we are baptised into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God then looks at us as having died to this world to enter into the kingdom of God as new creations in Jesus Christ. This is the reason why baptism is so important and why the Lord made certain to show the importance of baptism. When we believe these things that God achieved in the death and resurrection of Jesus, and we enter into Jesus' death taking it as our own by faith, then God declares us righteous because we believed him and what he has done. There is a lot more that can be said about the purpose and power of baptism, but it's too much to cover in this brief overview. Let me just finish this section with a brief look at the diverse ideas about baptism mentioned earlier. I said. Some churches do not even believe baptism is required at all. Well, given the scriptures quoted above about the Great Commission and where Peter said everyone should be baptized and the fact that Jesus himself was baptized an example for us so that all the requirements of righteousness could be fulfilled, then I think we can clearly state that baptism is an essential requirement. I also said others baptize infants but not adults. Now, there is no evidence that baptism of infants existed anywhere in the scripture. And considering the deep issues to be understood about baptism, as briefly covered just previously, it is evident that no infant could ever understand such things. For baptism to be working correctly, it requires the person to have faith and understand their baptism, and infants are incapable of these things. Baptism of infants is a false doctrine brought into the church by the influence of the devil to negate the truth of baptism. I also noted, some use baptism as a form of initiation into their particular church. Well, baptism is not an initiation ceremony. It is our death and resurrection with Christ Jesus. It is through baptism that we die and are raised as new creations in Christ Jesus, and as new creations we become citizens of the kingdom of God. To use it as a simple initiation into some church is to negate the power of baptism and weaken it to have no truth and no effect at all. I also noted that some only baptize people when they have been Christians for many, many years because they do not believe anyone is worthy until then. But in every instance where people were baptized, it was at the beginning of their belief and their walk with Christ. Look at those who heard Peter's address at Pentecost. They heard the word, they believed what he had to say, and over 3,000 were baptized in a single day. And you can see that in Acts chapter 2, 41. When Paul preached to the Ephesians the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were baptized immediately. Acts 19 verses 1 to 6. And when Philip preached the gospel in Samaria, the believers were baptized immediately in Acts chapter 8 verse 12. When Philip met the Ethiopian on the road from Jerusalem and preached the gospel to him, the Ethiopian stopped the chariot and went down into the water and was baptized immediately, Acts 8 verses 35 to 38. In all cases, baptism took place at the very beginning of their walk with Christ when the people first believed not towards the end i could also add to that that even jesus christ himself was baptized first at the beginning of his ministry baptism came first now some churches baptize people many many times now there is no scripture in the bible that says a person was or should be baptized into the death and resurrection of jesus christ more than once Baptism occurs only once and does not need to be repeated. I am not aware how this practice came into being, but it seems like it is using baptism as if it was a regular process of sacrifice, just as the Jews sacrificed animals as sin offerings each year. We can only take on the death of Christ once, and Jesus died only once for all mankind. He did not come to be sacrificed again and again, but only once. Therefore, we can only be baptized once into his death. Another possibility for this idea of rebaptism is that there were people who were baptized into the baptism of John the Baptist, but who were later baptized into Jesus Christ. And you see Acts 19 verses 1 to 6 for an example of this. However, these were two different baptisms. And it is evident from what Paul stated in Acts 19 verses 1 to 6 that it is the baptism into death of Jesus Christ that is more important, which is why those particular disciples in Ephesus were rebaptized. Now I've also mentioned that others baptize people as proxies for people who have already died. There is one scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 29 that speaks about being baptised on behalf of the dead. However, it is speaking about this in terms of the resurrection. We are baptised on behalf of or for the sake of Christ who died. Christ died on our behalf to make all the promises of God possible and it is for his sake that we are baptised. Paul is saying in this section that if the resurrection were false, then why get baptised on behalf of someone? That is, why get baptised on behalf of Christ, who is dead? There would be no point. But because we believe that Christ was resurrected and raised from the dead, we are baptised to enter his death and resurrection through which we receive the promises of God made to those who believe and have faith. There are no scriptures in the Bible that talk about baptism by proxy. We can only be baptised for ourselves not someone else, and certainly not a dead person. Some churches believe baptism requires only a sprinkle of water on the head. It's evident from a number of scriptures that baptism in the early church was done by full immersion. Jesus went down into the water to be baptized by John the Baptist. Likewise, the Ethiopian baptized by Philip went down into the water as well. John the Baptist and the disciples of Jesus were baptizing at Anon on the Jordan River because there was much water there. And that's John chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, if you want to check it out. And consider the logic of it. Baptism is a death and burial. We are buried with Christ in baptism, and the symbolism of baptism would indicate we are to go under the water as if buried in a grave and then be raised up from the grave. Apart from all of this, the Greek word for baptism, which is basically untranslated into English, means to dip or dunk and so wash the person fully clean. The Greek does not suggest we should sprinkle someone with water, but rather to immerse them in water. That's all I have for this week. I hope you found it interesting, and I hope you will join me again next week as I continue looking at these aspects of the true Church of God. Next week, I will continue with part three of this chapter on the six foundations of Christianity. All of the information I'm covering here is contained in a free ebook titled The True Church of God that can be downloaded from the freegiftfromgod.com website. So until next week, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off and hoping you have a blessed week ahead. God bless.